What's up, you beauties? Welcome to another High and Wide episode 4.20. I'm Jim Microphone, along with Jack Smith. We'll be joined by a special guest in just a couple of minutes. Before we get to our, our guest and before we get to our topics, allow me to remind you that if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Also, shout-outs to our affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Uh, our fantasy writer, Dave Leonard, is putting out basically daily content. Make sure you guys check that stuff out. If you're into fantasy and you're into um, to gambling, betting, lots of great stuff there. Uh, Derek Bob of the Pod Street Bullies put out a, a great article on why it's okay to be mad at Ron Hextall today. Make sure you check that out. A lot of great stuff there uh, over at hwhockey.net. We appreciate it. Uh, and we have some great topics to get to for this episode. I mentioned a special guest who will be joining us in, in just a couple of minutes, Kevin Kevin Durso of ESPN and the You Would Think podcast will be joining us. So we're excited to have Kevin on in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, Jack, a uh, couple of bombs were dropped by former Flyers general manager Bobby Clark yesterday. And uh, just in case, just in case our viewers or listeners have been living under a rock. Let's um, I just want to get those comments up on the screen here. So hang on a second. It'd be nice if you could see them. So there's a lot more to this, but the main one I think was Bobby Clark. None of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick. They wanted McCarr. Now scouts have come out and said it was actually Heisken. And either way, either pick would have been better. Than Nolan Patrick. I want to know what you thought about those comments from yesterday from, from Bobby Clark. Well, I, I believed them. Uh, I, the timings, a little, it, it, I don't, it's not odd. It um, seems like the organization's uh, in a really bad spot. So to redirect some kind of blame or, you know, just anger elsewhere seemed like the right move. But uh, I remember hearing something like this at the time. Um, and yeah, I, I remember thinking when I first read it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was Heiskanen and Heiskanen went, third overall, but I definitely heard that uh, not the draft year, like a year or two after uh, around 2019, 2020, I definitely heard murmurs of that, that he didn't listen to the scouting department and whatnot. And it just goes to show you once he got fired, all the, all that came out about him. Um, it just fits right in with the, you know, shutting himself off to everybody. So I, I believe it. Were you shocked at all by Clark coming out and, and just kind of speaking very candidly, uh, uh, about a former Flyers general manager, or did you take it as uh, so? There's kind of there's more than two sides to this, but generally, you're seeing people on board and agreeing with Bobby Clark. The other side, there are people who think that maybe Bob Clark had some kind of an agenda because he's still being paid by the Flyers. Uh, how did you kind of see it? I think there's a truth in both of those camps. I do think that's how he feels. Uh, I could tell by how he spoke during the interview that it, it didn't, it didn't seem rehearsed. It just didn't. I'm sure he could have practiced it, but I just don't believe that there's also a huge divide with Hextall and the alumni and Clark is, you know, number and number one alumni in the, in the business for the, for the flyers there. And that compacted with, I had, we had heard this years beforehand tells me that it's, it's probably true, but also I think there is a little bit of the organization kind of stepping up and being like, we're catching some serious, serious heat right now. 
it's not the worst thing in the world to bring this up and redirect anger to somebody who's no longer here. And Oh, by the way, running a crosstown rival. <laughs> and I think it's okay to see both sides and kind of agree with both sides there. I think that's what, you know, a rational person might do. Not everything's black and white. There are, as, as with most cases, there, there is some gray area with this kind of stuff. And yeah, the reality is Bobby Clark is still under, con uh, still getting paid by the Flyers. The other side of it is, if you've ever heard Bobby Clark speak uh, in media or it's been on a couple podcasts, he's pretty candid. You ask him a question, and he's going to answer it. You know, with with without giving too much away, I guess, without stepping on too many toes. But he's going to answer it the best that he can without getting in trouble. Now, yesterday he caused a bit of a stir, but. You know, he's 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 a pretty candid guy, you know. I didn't I found it kind of tough to believe he had some kind of an agenda there. Um before we get further into this conversation, I do want to bring in our guest, uh ESPN insider, Mr. Kevin Durso. Kevin, thanks for uh, joining us for the episode, man. Pleasure having you on. My pleasure, boys. How you doing? Doing great, well, man. So I mean, you were you were kind of hanging out there in the room for for about a minute there. Obviously, we're talking about the Bobby Clark uh bombs yesterday from the uh Cam and Strick show on, on Ron Hextall. I'm curious, Kev, uh, your take on all of that. Man, to me, and I wrote about this this morning, it was another chapter in the ongoing reality show that is right now with this team. Yeah. It just is another thing that causes a stir. It's another thing that creates this, this discussion of more off-ice than on-ice product at this point. It's just been a, it's kind of been a challenge to cover the team this year in that sense because there's a lot of outside noise going on. And this was just another one. And I, I, I've heard what you guys were saying prior. I don't think it was anything scripted. I think he just spoke from the heart. You could hear the frustration. There was there was a part of it to me. And I think that the, the clip that floated around social media didn't do it justice because listening to the full podcast, there were little bits and pieces that were cut away from that. Yeah. He, he actually got to a point where he said, I'm talking too much. So yeah, he, he did. He, he recognizes He's saying an awful lot of stuff that's going to probably cause such a stir <laughs> and maybe he should stop and then goes on to still continue because that's when he mentions Ryan O'Reilly and things like that. But there was that he kind of also the joke that he kind of made in regard to his position with the team actively is that he does basically collect a paycheck to do nothing. He turned around and said at the very <laughs> end of the podcast. So, he you know, did. it kind of tells you where he's at in terms of his role it's it's one of those things like i always get frustrated when i hear people I, I get a lot of comments uh that get sent my way that that usually are just in relation to it i'll do takeaways from a game that probably most people didn't pay attention to or didn't watch or could care less about 24 hours later and the comment will just be fire and i'll just use it this way insert coach's name here yeah fire fletcher fire holmgren and i laugh at that because i go do you realize that Paul Holmgren is basically semi-retired? He's not really – he's there, but he is not as involved as he used to be realistically. I mean, yeah, yeah when when the Hextall decision went down, when Hextall was hired originally, that's a Paul Holmgren decision. And, yes, that was the only voice that was there when he was fired as well. But since then, I don't think he's had his fingerprints on this team like people believe. So anything that you're seeing today – is not really a product of him. He really is a senior advisor that is mostly in retirement. So a lot of that to me was just, an, it's another alumni voice and probably the biggest alum member that there is voicing his frustrations with where things are at the moment. And it, it kind of just was one, it's been one thing compounded onto another, you know, it, it's, 
I, I kind of called it what a week it's been because of the fact that it just keeps going. It went from everything with the COVID issues with the team, guys not playing, shorthanded lineup, inconsistent postponements, and then you get to last Thursday, it's Ed Snyder's birthday, the late founder of the team, and they don't acknowledge that at all. His daughter is chiming in on that on social media. And then that, like, just what a, another bomb drops right there. And it just seems like it continues. And it's, it really is becoming a kind of crazy reality show to me. I'm smiling a little bit because mm -hmm. last week we have a, a little chat we have mm -hmm. for, for High and Wide and Pod Street and Philly's Flyer. And I go, can we just have something to – like be fun can something good just happen like like it's getting to the point where week after week any news that comes out is just bad news from the ellis injury in the beginning of the season uh um to couturier looking like he's hurt to hayes needing surgery again and, and playing hurt uh to everyone getting covid the flyers firing av and now it's like the petty stuff is starting to come out right and like now it's kind of just like you know now they're not wishing a guy happy birthday so i mean they're not just a guy I didn't mean to make it sound like that, but the guy who created the franchise, they're not, you know, publicly acknowledging the date of this guy's birth, you know, the, the founder of the entire franchise. So I don't want to minimize that, but it's almost like as fans, not that we're picking things out, but it's like, give us something good. Like this, everything's bad. So even though like, so this was bittersweet for me when, when Bobby Clark came out and said this kind of stuff, because what it did for me was it confirmed things that I think a lot of us had already known, right? And it just uh, it just made us feel like, okay, we know what we're watching. We know who we're, you know, we're getting our sources from the right people kind of thing. On the other hand, what bothered me about it was I don't, I would rather that stuff stay in-house. You know what I mean? Like to me, it kind of felt like not that they were throwing Hextall under the bus, even though that's pretty much exactly what he did. Uh, I don't, I don't want to see. So it's tough for me, for, for people like us, we want all the juicy details, right? So we can talk about it on a show like this. The other part of me, like as a fan or, or whatever, I think good businesses, good corporations, good franchises, they don't do that kind of stuff. I think they try to keep it all in house. So I'm wondering how much is it, you know, it's embarrassing. The flyers are embarrassing right now. So I'm wondering if, you know, Clark was like, he had to get it off his chest kind of thing. Like, yeah, things are really bad here, but I have to tell you guys why. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, like, I, like I said, there's two sides. I love it for all the juicy details. I love it because we're getting our stuff from the, from the right sources. Other side, things are just a mess. It's like that meme where everything's on fire, you know? I mean, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I feel like the timing is uh, because you brought up the Snyder birthday thing. And while I believe Clark 100%, I, it validates, as you said, Jimmy, what we had heard year, a couple of years ago um, and everything negative going on with the team right now. And then the embarrassing stuff on top of that. And then we hear this and it kind of takes away from that. It's kind of like, oh, somebody still kind of cares and is pointing out the obvious. And all this hate for Hextall is, is just it's like overcoming everything right now while we're all these postponements are going on and like less is being talked about the team itself, but we're not forgetting like they're still pretty embarrassing. They're not getting by. The timing was a little odd to me. Uh, but I, again, I still believe everything he said and it just, it validates what we said before.
For sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's the thing about these types of shows that that Bobby Clark just went on is that it does open up the platform a little bit. They kind of have the freedom to be a little bit looser on these types of things. It's not. It's you know, it's not my background. That's for sure. It's not a radio interview or anything like that where you're kind of playing the PR game. It really is kind of wide open. Yeah. And I think about even how they even just started that whole thing, which was. They they acknowledge that he's in Florida right now. He's golfing five times a week or whatever. And it's like, so he's not directly in the offices. He's not at the games right now. He'll pop in on occasion. He was definitely there when they had the Hall of Fame night and things like that. But he's not really there every day anymore. And I think that this is the type of stuff that from a distance like that, that starts to weigh on somebody like that, where he's not really as involved as he used to be. And I don't think that that's the part that he's bitter about. I think it's just watching what it's all become like the way that it's just all gone downhill kind of because you know on top of everything else that we're talking about all the off ice stuff the team's borderline unwatchable at this point i mean we were watching you know we were sitting at a game on saturday there's a game against the san jose sharks and half the people in the building's half full anyway and then most of the people there cared more about the football game across the street than they did the game that was in front of them it was that was just as embarrassing to know that there are people who are there to actually go as if they're out to their favorite sports bar or something. They're watching on the sports book. They're looking on their phones and they're paying attention to a completely different sporting event than the one that they're actually at, which that's not good business either. So that's, that's the way that I kind of look at it too, is that that's, I think that that outside looking in picture, it, it did certainly seem from Clark's point of view. Anyway, it, it was piling on the Hextall thing a little bit because it, he really got into those juicy details. Most of the podcast was stories. And I, I think that there was definitely some very clear scheduling timing done on the part of that. It was also the anniversary of the red army game. So they had Bobby Clark on for that. It makes a lot of sense, but when they dove into topics that seem relative to not just that like this most recent era when Hextall was GM, but they went into, you know, Andy Strickland's based out of St. Louis. So they dive into Craig Berube mm -hmm. and him being a former coach and he's in St. Louis now and they get into that. And he even talks about it then and goes, they should have never fired him originally and things like <laughs> yeah. that. And so he really just kept going throughout the entire, I mean, it wasn't like it was just, Oh, let's just talk about Nolan Patrick and how the scouts didn't want him. And he ignored everybody and they could have had McCarr, all that type of stuff. Cause hindsight's 2020. That was actually the part that I took the least from is that it's really easy to look back now and say, Oh, you know what? Everybody wanted McCarr. Of course they did. Every, looking at him now, everybody would want McCarr first, but Maybe then it was a little different, but I don't think that you can go and change your mind about a thought of what, when he decided to fire Craig Berube after that first full season, he had the head coaching job. That sounds like something different. That sounds like something a little bit more, no consultation on if that guy was the right up and coming coach for the team, maybe he could turn into something. And I do believe, you know, we mentioned briefly, you mentioned AV, the firing of AV in the middle of all this and this ongoing rotation of coaches that happen, not just with the Flyers, but in the NHL in general. And most of these coaches get their fourth or fifth opportunity in a lot of places. I don't think that the shelf life is too short for a coach when he goes to his second destination and you're giving him a second chance when maybe the first time around was either too soon, you know, not enough experience, something that they can take from that experience. And I, I look, the jury is going to be still be out on a guy like Dave Haxtell and his second head coaching job. But Baruby got his second head coaching job and won a Stanley Cup. And it's like, and it's like, you know, I believe that there was something in that year that he took from his time in Philly that he would have learned from from that experience and applied it differently to the team he had in St. Louis and how he could make it work. And he continues to win games for them and continues to have a 
good track record. So the fact that all of those things were brought up, not just the 2017 draft and Nolan Patrick, not just some of the things that we can talk about with the state of the team. It's just, you know, it was a lot of other things he brought into that whole era. And yeah. that, that really just, it makes you think about how much of it was just off the cuff. Like we've been talking about. Well, you know, you mentioned all that and you know, what, what, what it made me think of immediately was uh, you know, sort of the conversation that was going on the other night at the game. And when I, when I heard you talking about this stuff, I'm like, I, I got to get Kevin on the show and we got to talk about this because, you know, we've been kind of talking about the state of the franchise for uh, a couple weeks and, and, you know, in bits and pieces, you know, I kind of described it as like a dark cloud that's kind of just been hovering over the organization for, I don't know, going on two years now. Like, like I mentioned, like there's always bad news or there's something embarrassing coming out in the news about the flyers or, you know, you're finding out that this guy's hurt and, you know, nobody knows what's going on. There's, there's just no good, no good news coming out anymore. And if you go to a game, if, if you're uh, like, we're all probably, uh, I mean, we're in our thirties. Um, if you were a fan of the flyers when you were younger, the, the experience that you would have had back then is nothing like the experience that you'd have today at a game. Right. Um, back then, you know, I'm thinking of the times I went with my dad growing up, you went to watch the hockey game. That's what you went for, right? You went to watch the Philadelphia Flyers play hockey. Maybe you'd get a, a you know, a pretzel or, or whatever it was, a soda and a sandwich, whatever. That was the treat. That was the extra, right? Then you sat your ass back in the seat and you watched the hockey game. Now you go to a Flyers game. You got this, I don't know how long it is, five minute uh, light show before the game starts. By the time it's done, you're like, oh, my God, thank God they dropped the puck. Like, we can finally watch hockey. By the time they drop it, you're ready to go get something to eat already. Uh, what else? You got gritty in the stands nonstop. Everything is just – it's too showy for me. Even even when I do that whole, like, that whole drum thing before the game, it's like, all right, buddy, just drop the puck. Let's watch some hockey. The experience is just so much different. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts here, Kev, because you were making a lot of great points the other night. and uh, And I think more people should maybe hear some of those. Yeah, I mean, you know, not unlike you guys, I'm hearing similar things to my upbringing with it. You know, I I really think that right now what they try to do, and and it's it's funny you bring up the light like the light show thing at the beginning. They they would usually like even years ago they would play that you know an opening video of some kind, and I actually enjoy that type of stuff because yeah. you're five minutes away from the game starting, the lights are down, the team's not on the ice yet, you're almost in internally hyping yourself up. So like, I like that part of it. I like the oh, build yeah. up to the entrance of the team on the ice, get it going. A lot of the other stuff though is very, you know, what they have gritty's doing this thing. Now it's only been this year where he skates out, skates a circle around the opposing team's logo, pretends to drive a flag into, you know, into the logo. It cracks the ice, all that type of stuff. It's very Vegasy kind yeah. of. And I, I know that's not probably like a real word to say, but like, um, Perfect way it, to but it makes it, but it makes me think of what everybody was fascinated with in Vegas that first year that they came to the league and what they still do now in, in the fortress, which is look, look, you, it's Vegas. It's kind of the city's built off of that type of stuff. You can really get away with that level of showmanship. People almost expect it. But there, all those other elements, like like the drum thing, kind of reminds me of what they do with the siren in Carolina and things like that. And and there there are elements of those things that fit their cities for whatever re reason. Like it's like the cannon in Columbus. Like okay, your team's called the Blue Jackets. There's a cannon. 
it fits your theme go for it by all means but there's like they almost take like these miniature elements of that and try to make it seem like they're trying to build up that showman aspect of it and there's nothing wrong to me with trying to do those things but it's almost like to me in today's day and age they're trying to cater to people who and and i kind of go from the the early 30 something type person to down to college age down to maybe maybe even high school age that can somehow still get themselves to a game i guess is how i would put it and it's almost like they cater to the the TikTok, Instagram, Gen Z type of stuff. And I'm not criticizing the generation per se, but it's like they think that everyone's glued to their phones. Everybody needs a gimmick. Everybody needs something like that, a distraction to be engaged in the game. And I would argue that more people in that age range from our age range on down to even high school age kids at this point have come up with people who can sit there and say my dad or my grandfather or my uncle was a season ticket holder for 35, 40, 50 years and went to games and heard stories of the broad street bullies and the teams of the eighties and the Legion of doom and all that type of stuff. And we build off of that. And we actually value that piece of history as much as people who were there to see it in person do. And I don't think that the business side of the organization realizes this. I think that they think that they need the gimmicks and the show and the, all the little extra features. You know, I was, I was listening to the radio on the way home from Thursday's game. And I heard people, I was hearing questions about, do they still have the rage room thing going? Apparently they don't by the way, but, but, but a question, but it was a question. I'm like, yeah, think about that. Like, and, and I heard comparisons of it to baseball games. And I'm like, you know what, though? When I go to a baseball game across the street and there's something there like that, I can still see the field of play from that distraction, if you will. So I'm not that distracted from the game. It's a slower-moving game. If something happens and the crowd reacts, I can turn around and see the tail end of what just happened and not miss a beat. But if you put a, a rage room into the Wells Fargo Center and have people in and out of that for five minutes at a time, and wait, maybe waiting in a line for 30, 40 minutes to do it, they're going to miss an entire period of the game potentially and not see anything. There's, right. you know, like it, it really is that kind of thing. But I really believe that that's, that that's not what people go down there for. They actually do go down there to watch a good product on the ice. And that's what they want to see. And they want to see teams that remind them or that become part of their own history of the team, the way that the Broad Street Bullies did or the way that, you know, the teams that played the Oilers in the eighties did, or the way that the Legion of doom did like, that's what people would like to have. They want to have stories like that. And, and it really feels like now people are at an, at a point where indifference has set in so drastically that they either are going down for the distractions or they're just not going at all. And, mm-hmm. and not really paying much attention to it at all. And that's, that's what's sad to me is that I can remember you know, the idea, because my my uncle was a season ticket holder for 40 years. I've grown up my entire life in this area. And I like to sit there and say that me doing what I do for the for ESPN and all that type of stuff, uh, you know, my path to getting to that point was not I chose hockey. It chose me kind of, I, I, I like to say, because it was always my original number one sport. When I went to school for this type of stuff, though, I wanted to write about baseball, if I'm honest. That was where I thought the path was that I wanted to go. I loved it. And then the opportunity came along to do hockey again. And I'm sitting here now in all those years in hindsight, I've been doing this for eight years now, thinking about, you know, the home home movies that I have of my dad putting me on ice skates when I was two years old or the photo that my parents have. My dad played men's league when I was born and 
my mom can sew and she made a jersey that matched his and I'm sitting in an ice rink. I'm like three weeks old and I'm sitting in an ice rink. Like, <laughs> like I, I think that that gives me enough credibility to say that the game's kind of in my blood. Yeah. And, and yet I grew up on that type of stuff. And I still remember being like 12 years old. I think it was 2004 playoffs. Flyers are playing Toronto in the second round. And my dad comes home and says, we're going to game one. <laughs> and and he it's the first time I'll ever go to a play I've ever been to a playoff game. So he's prepping me because my parents got married in May of 1987. So it's right smack in the middle of a playoff run. A month later, they're sitting at game three of the Stanley Cup final watching the Flyers take on Wayne Gretzky's Edmonton Oilers, the one in my opinion, the best team that ever existed. And that so that kind of just goes to show like they've got it, he's got experience, obviously. Yep. So he's prepping me get ready. This is as loud as you're ever going to hear a crowd in your life. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. First goal of that game in game one, Tony Amani scores in the first period and the roof came off the place and I've never heard anything louder in my life. And you used to go to those games and walk around outside for three hours because they had a block party going on and everybody was there. It was like, I heard it compared to like actually comparisons. It was, it's like an Eagles tailgate. It was like tailgating before an Eagles game. And that's all it just seems like it's all dead and gone and that's the yep. that's the shame of it it really just feels like that aspect of things is dead and gone and it's not the same as it used to be and I, that's where i kind of get with this is i wonder what it what it even takes to get that back you know like how do you even begin to repair what you've done so far to create this indifference around the team i i you know i i commonly when i talk about the team on the ice i, I use this phrase and i'll use it here as well if i knew the answers i probably wouldn't be talking to you guys on this show i wouldn't go on <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't go on 97.3 and write articles i wouldn't be doing any of that i probably would be sitting in the box it's a little further down from the main press <laughs> yeah. where all the execs are sitting and, and figure it out you know and get paid to do so so you know i don't i don't have those answers but I have the concerns that I think a lot of people are seeing, which is this is a very empty building most nights. And it's a very indifferent fan base that kind of just go either goes for the sake of going. They've got the tickets. They can't sell them or they can't find something else to do. So why not go or, you know, or it's just something kind of like a lot of people who watch the team on a regular basis. It's kind of just a almost addiction level type of thing where it's just part of what we do and you can't help yourself, but you're not going to sit here and deny that it's a, it's a bad situation and it's a rough time and it's kind of reaching a point where it's becoming very difficult to watch. You know, what you just outlined there was a great, beautiful story, a very similar one, you know, growing, coming up and everything. And what I kept coming back to where the team is now. And I think we're living a nightmare and the nightmare is, when Snyder passes on, what's going to happen to this team? And I, we always thought that it could fall into disarray, of course, but it probably won't. And it has. All the full nightmare has come. We've gone completely corporate, you know, and you lay that out with how you discuss the beginnings of the game and whatnot and how it's for the, you know, the TikToks of the world and whatnot. And the product on the ice is almost secondary at this point. And it, it's chilling because – it's exactly what we are. Now they're not even mentioning the guy on his birthday. It's like, are they trying to distance themselves? Like, or I, I just don't understand. It's just, they are failing across the board on ice, off the ice, the little easy things you can do to keep fans engaged and your core base happy. They're just swinging and missing left and right. It's unbelievable. It's sad. You know, you know, you know one of the things for me too, is that 
you know, I look, I, I go down to I'm still going down to every home game that I can get to and all that stuff like that because I have a job to do when I go down there in, in covering the team. But for the most part, you know, this isn't a chore that I have to do. There's worse things that people do and spend their time doing than saying I cover a, a hockey team for an NHL, you know, that features NHL players and some of the best opponents in the world and all that type of stuff. I've I've referred in the past uh, in my, you know. I, I, it might be a little bit difficult to see with some of the lighting that I got going on here, but on the shelf behind me on the display, I have the, the uh, Doc Emmerich's book is sitting behind me, and he's one of my heroes in the business. And I've heard him in interviews talk about like the perks, the idea of doing something like this where you get in for free and you get a good seat to watch the game and you're watching the best players. And that's really what, what I feel going into a building. But putting together things like a game preview for a game, you know, and I'll, I'll just use the next opponent on the list because they're playing Boston tomorrow night, you know, for a game against the Boston Bruins on a Thursday night, right before football playoffs and things like that, where you know how people kind of feel. Yeah. It starts to become a little bit more of a chore than it ever felt like before. And not necessarily the part about going down there and watching a game in person. I mean, let's put it this way. I, I went to a game where the aforementioned Kale McCarr played and watched him score a spectacular goal. And I get mesmerized by these guys every single time because I do know that there are spectacular players in the league, no matter how you shape it from a lot of other avenues that are out there. And, but at the same time, yeah, it, it like it almost does become a, a chore of sorts. And I, I don't want to take, I don't take it for granted. I'm not sitting here saying I would give it up by any stretch, but there's elements of it where you go like, like I do a player to watch in every single game preview I do. And I go, how am I supposed to pick a player to watch from flyers? Tonight? Like, <laughs> Who, who is it that I would even pick that people aren't going to sit there and go, you're full of crap with that, you know? Like, I, I'm trying to write something that gives people a vibe that I'm saying, watch this particular player. Yep. He, mu he might do something, but... I, dude, I hear you. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, the, I mean, you obviously... So you're getting paid to, to write about the team. Imagine... So I, we have a, a pretty solid group at HW now. And I, it, it's we're trying to build and grow. So we're, we're looking for writers constantly, and I can't tell you how many people have told me that they just don't have the heart to write about this team right now. You know, I mean, they're doing it for free, number one. So it's, you know, <laughs> basically, it's, it, it, it is an actual chore, you know, to write about the, the team, especially with the state that they're in. Um, but it, it's extremely hard to, mm -hmm. to find and get people to write about this team right now. I mean, for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, well I mean, and, and look, been there, done that, obviously. I mean, I didn't start doing ESPN stuff or anything like that. So been there, done that, where you're not getting anything to do it. And on top of it, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. It's not an easy business to say you're like, I wouldn't call, I'm not making a living doing this. And a lot of people who join me in the press box probably would say similar. They're not exactly in a spot where it's the full on make a living off of it, but it's something that they do and enjoy doing. And I, I always used to call it my sanity. Quite frankly, if I've got to do something else to make a living, then this is going to be my perk. This is going to be my yeah. hobby. This is going to be what, you know, at the end of the night, it's like, it, you know, it's like the treat that you get at the end of the night. I, you know, I put in my time doing every, you know, whatever I have to do to make a living. Now I get to do this and this is my fun. And, but that's what makes it hard. And that's what makes it kind of a, a chore to do to some extent is that, is that element where, you know, and I, I look, I don't take it. Like I said, I don't take it for granted at all. I would never stop doing it sure. for voluntarily anyway. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, I look at a day like last night where the game gets called off on Monday night and there's no game on Tuesday. And I kind of just shrug my shoulders and go, OK, night off, I guess I'll take yeah. it. You know, like 
I can find something else to do that night instead of having to make the trek down. And whereas in the past, you might have been a little bummed out about that because you're looking forward to watching the team. I I don't you know, I never remember a feeling like that quite like when the pause was about to happen two years ago, like right in the middle of all of it. I was just sitting 48 hours prior in in the arena that night. They were playing Boston. They lost the game to nothing, but they had won nine games in a row prior. So like at that moment, the building was on edge. It was ready to erupt if something good happened and it just didn't quite happen. Not that Boston was a bad team by any stretch. They were a very good team. And then it was a close game for most of the night. It was one, nothing for most of the night. But like, I I remember feeling like the feeling I had when word kind of was starting to come out that it looks like, you know, the NBA is going to probably have to pause and the NHL was going to follow suit. And it was just like, we're going to hit the brakes on this now. Like everything was going so well. It was, you know, and, and then the funny part was, is that that pause lasted for as long as it did. And then when they came back and made a bit of a playoff run, the excitement was sky high. I mean, I was making radio appearances daily and that had never happened in my time covering the team. And I was just enjoying it like crazy because of the fact that it was, everything was very relevant at that time. They were making a run. They were deep into a playoff series in the second round of the playoffs. And, who knows what would have happened if it would have kept going or even when it ended, it just felt like at that point, well, wait until next year, whenever next year is, because we had no idea and see where it goes. And it's turned out to be, you know, if last season was, and Chuck Fletcher put it really well during one of his press conferences where he said, took years off his life. (laughs) You know, I, I sat down there in the same, basically same vantage point, watching the same thing. And believe me, it's, I understand the frustration of watching it on a nightly basis, sitting in, that you know in that that level watching it from upstairs and this has just been almost a continuation of it and it's and it's quite possibly been harder to watch than even last season did because last season you felt like there was something boiling over with the player personnel at least like the offseason that came was not I don't want to say it was completely unexpected, but there were elements of it that eventually were unexpected but certainly the idea of going out and making a few of those trades was not to me And now I don't even know where they turn from here with that because, you know, now who do you, who do you get rid of and where do you try to piece it together? I don't even know if there's piecing it together that can be done. That's kind of the hard part. I, I, I I hold myself back from going full on rebuild because blowing it up is such a general term that I think people like to use mostly out of frustration. I don't think they have the luxury of completely blowing it up but i think that they have enough expiring contracts that it's going to once again be a unique offseason and a really different looking roster next season and certainly i know where it should begin i can't say for certain it's going to begin there but i know where it should begin and you know i I hate talking about it like this on his birthday but you know that's where it probably should begin and i i think that deep down he knows that too oh yeah yeah, you're, you're kind of hearing it a little bit in, in press conferences. As we get closer and it becomes more apparent that the Flyers are not going to be um, anywhere near the playoffs this year, uh, it's almost kind of like it makes too much sense, you know, right? Like, it's like, you know, he, he needed this, this, and this to go right, and he would have stayed in Philadelphia. This is going wrong. That's going wrong. This is going wrong. So now, you know, if I want to win a cup, I'm going to have to do it somewhere else, unfortunately. And just in case nobody knows who we're talking about, it is Claude Giroux's birthday today. We are talking about, you know, Claude Giroux potentially moving on. And uh, if, if I think Elliot Friedman said if he had to bet 
somebody's house on it, somebody's mortgage, he would bet it and I would yeah, bet mine. He didn't say his own though, which was funny. No, he, 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 he was going to bet somebody else's house. <laughs> he sure Ooh. did. Yeah, so uh it's it's common. I mean, we're we're getting there. I think it's about uh what did I see? 68 days away. There there's a trade deadline uh countdown going on on Flyers Twitter. That's where uh that's where we are with yeah. the state of this team. Um Kev, we're about a half an hour in here. Uh we'll have to have you back on for for a full hour <laughs> soon uh if you're able to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, before we let you go, uh, where can people find you? Do you have anything you want to promote and, and uh, get out there for the for the listeners? Um, not not too much. I will give where everybody can find me though. So, uh, writing for ninety seven three ESPN. So you can follow them at nine seven three ESPN on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is at Kevin underscore Durso. So you can find me there and you know, usual involvement during games, trying my best to break down what I see. There's not been a whole, <laughs> a whole lot to, I mean, that game on Saturday, I think I tweeted as little as I ever have because there was just nothing happening between both sides. <laughs> um, and you know, other places I write for, I also write for sports talk, So at sports talk, PHL, uh, is the Twitter handle for them as well. So I want to get that out there and, um, Every week I, I'm on a podcast called the YWT podcast at YWT podcast on Twitter. Uh, I shared a lot of the same sentiments that I did here on that show this past week. And we, we record that usually on Sundays. So that was before Bobby Clark. So Bobby <laughs> Clark's probably going to be all over our show this week um, just because there was so much that was said in that Tuesday morning uh, drop that happened. So, you know, it's that type of stuff. Nothing else really coming up through the pipeline right now, but certainly people can follow me. And if anything's coming along, uh, I'll definitely make, make it public and be sure to let people know. But for, for now, that's it. Outstanding Kev. Great stuff. You do great work. Uh, make sure everybody listening, everybody watching, go give Kevin a follow. Uh, and it was great hanging out with you the other night, man. Good talking tonight and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Sounds great guys. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. There you go. Kevin Durso, ESPN. Great guy, man. Very knowledgeable. I couldn't wait to get him on, to tell you the truth. Yeah, a lot of great points. Like you said, a lot of things I wouldn't have thought of. Uh, really, if you go to the game, you start to – well, all the games, you notice all that stuff with the whole Gen Z and whatnot. And it's like – it's it's a little – aggravating and scary because it's like shouldn't all our focus be on winning because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it is so you know what word came to mind for me while while we were talking about that was um and it, so the word was superficial it's very superficial today right it's not uh, it doesn't feel genuine right like the excitement at games is not genuine and what i mean by that is you know, you're at a Flyers game. You're at a Philadelphia Flyers game. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers is not all the entertainment going on around the game, right? The Philadelphia Flyers are the team wearing the jerseys, the, the guys skating around on the ice. You're at a Philadelphia Flyers game. And I, I think, you know, where I was getting at or, or where we were getting at was if you want to create real fans, right, you – you have to create, you know, you have to draw in the, the, the parents, the, the moms, the dads who have these young kids. The, the mom and dads have to love the team, right? The love the Flyers like our dads did. What happened? They brought us to the games, right? What happened? We created memories as young kids with our dads watching the Flyers, right? They instilled their love for a team 
into us. I mean, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing these days, I don't know, right? But they grew fans out of us is what happened. And we're real fans. Can you uh, imagine how it's going to be for our kids? I can see my son now being like, I talk so fondly of the team with my dad and I saw Lindros, the Legion of Doom and all that. And I, I mean, I was seriously in, I went to the spectrum was still around. They were still using it. It's like 91 or 92 is my first game. I was like four years old. And um, my son is going to talk one day and be like, yeah, uh, there was a lot of lights. Gritty was really kind of creepy looking and uh, we lost five, nothing, but yeah, it was like a light show. It definitely took time out of the day. Yeah. Like, the, the difference between how I talk about the team and unless they do something, how he's going to talk about the team is going to be night and day. And it's, it's scary to me because it's like you're just going to collect money from everybody, not really do a whole lot, put it into other parts to make it like a carnival. <laughs> like I, We want to win. That's what this is all about, winning. It's not, it's not about everything right. else. That should come later. You know, right. that should be something that is adds on to the fun, not to take away from the team because they're so bad. Like people, it's it, we, like you said, it's superficial. We see right through it. And then on top of that, as I brought up, like they're just missing little itty easy things like the the Holgram um, and Tocket. They, they didn't invite half the fans to that. Listen to the Snow the Goalie episode about that, how they they pretty much hit. They didn't I think three times during the year they tweeted that whole thing out. It was like an empty stadium. This guy gave his life to the organization, Holgram specifically. You know, he's <laughs> out there accepting an award to a couple hundred fans. That's it should have been a packed house, like it was for Leclerc and Lindros and Desjardins and everybody before them. You know, and then on top of that, it's Schneider's birthday. This team's not in Philadelphia. He's not. He's revered as the greatest owner in Philly sports for sure, if not all sports, depending on who you ask. Obviously, we're biased there. But, like, he was a massive mark on the industry on Philadelphia, and they can't even mention it. Oh, is that too much for you to ask? Because you got so much else going on. Maybe in between light shows, they could have just mentioned it or something. Like an absolute joke. That's a great point, right? You go, I mean, and I don't know how, I'm sure a lot of the listeners that have been to games, um, yeah, the the gritty light show. I mean, I guess it's cool. I I don't like Disney on ice. I don't, I'm not a big ice skate watcher or whatever. I'm not a big mascot fan. Maybe I'm just anti-fun. But the whole gritty skating around and cracking the ice, you know what I'd rather see, Jack? And I, I think Kevin brought it up. Remember when they used to have, like, you know, the, the pregame video where the Flyers are just destroying everybody and, you know, you have, like, some kind of Metallica song on in the background or whatever, and everyone's getting fired up before they drop the puck? I'll take that any day before a, a friggin' light show on the ice with, with gritty skating circles. Um, again, it comes off superficial to me. I, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of of mascots. And here's why: because some some people on Twitter will, you know, I think you're making a big deal about the mascot. Mascots to me, who do they appeal to, Jack? Little kids. Just, they appeal to little kids, right? And I so I'll compare it to like for example what McDonald's does with uh, with like Ronald McDonald or whatever. So who does Ronald McDonald appeal to? He appeals to little kids. Why? Because they want to make customers out of little kids. They 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 beg their parents to take them to go get shitty food, uh, and now you got a customer for life. And that's that's kind of how I see gritty, and it it bothers me. I don't I don't like it. Right? Let it be natural. Let it be organic. Let the parents take the kids to the game. Let the kids fall in love with the game, with the team, with the players. I. I 
it, it's it's not going to be a lasting thing. Anything superficial never lasts, right? So they're not going to love this team and organization. They're going to love the mascot. They're going to love all, all the fun BS things. Kevin brought up the rage room. You know, if 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 one day I have a kid and he goes to a Flyers game and I ask him how the game was and the first thing out of his mouth is Grady or the light show or the rage room, I'm going to disown him. Because uh, I asked you how the hockey game was, and you know, this is what you're talking to me about. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, it's... I'll, put, I'll put it to you this way. I have a lot of friends who don't watch baseball, not not even an inning, but they love the Philly Fanatic. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the truth. Like, it, they did grow up with him. He's just funny. He's great. They could give two shits about the team. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, I get it for kids, and it's really a corporation thing. But, like, if the team was actually good, they would all just be extra. Now it's the center of it's the focus, which is not good. And like you, like you just keep saying, like there's going to be no fond memories of going to the games with your parents or whoever and first dates and whatever the hell. And, you know, like we just got, yeah, we went to see uh, gritty did something. And uh, I think the flyers played, it probably lost. And, you know, and who wants that? Like we're here to win. Right. Like, we're, that's fun. By the way, that was, that's a lot of fun. You know, people like winning. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, and you brought up the hype packages. Like this team has so much history it could pull from between the Broad Street Bullies, the teams of the 80s, the Legion of Doom, and the, you know, even the Richard Carter era and whatnot. I mean, essentially all those teams went to one or two Stanley Cups, depending on what era it is, you know, and instead we're getting a light show. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Like, why don't you remind people that this team and this organization used to be not a laughing stock, was to be feared? was to be, you know, held up in high esteem with all the top teams now, you know, where are now where they're just a joke, you know, and I just blows my mind. They have so much they can pull from. And instead we get this, this something I would see at a high school or maybe a college, depending like just cause what else they're going to do, you know, they just keep people entertained till the game starts. Like, we'll just do something until the game starts and people find their seats. I used to, I used to sit in my seat like a half hour before the game started. Right. Like I, I would be and sometimes there'd be nothing going on. It's just like the atmosphere, but there would they would show random things. Sometimes you could walk around the stadium and get that little bit of history. But for the most part, I was in my seat and we didn't really have money to get soda and pretzel or whatever. It was, if I asked for anything extra, you know, I got a I got a side glance. Same way, dude. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> Seriously, it was like, Yeah, you don't need that. That's that yep. was the phrase. You don't need that. Same thing, man. And, um you know, and one time, one time, as soon as the first period started, I told my dad to go to the bathroom and he was pissed. <laughs> he was like, he goes, that sucks. <laughs> and I was like, I, but I really got to go. And he goes, yeah, well, you really had to go. We've been sitting here for a half hour. Are you serious? And, uh, looking back, he was right. <laughs> but like that, all that's gone. I mean, is there really any issue with getting up at any point in any of these games? What are you going to miss? Something hey, so that pisses so you, you off? You mentioned getting in your seat a half an hour early. Fan, you know how fans kind of trickle in to like Phillies games and whatnot because there's stuff to do around the the you know Citizens Bank Park, go taste the food, or go get a couple beers and sit on the outside of the outskirts of the park. Fans kind of trickle in now throughout the first period. You know whether they're tailgating in the parking lot or you know maybe they take their time getting to the game. This is a Saturday night, by the way, um, so it's not it's not like you know people are just getting out of work and they're rushing over to the game. People are taking their times getting to their seats because they know they're not missing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which is a shame. Uh, last point on this before uh, we move on because we've got a couple more topics here. It, it, doesn't it feel whoever's in charge of 
you know, the game experience or, or, you know, the marketing or whatever the hell it is, feels like they're just way out of touch, right? Like maybe they don't come from a hockey background. Maybe they haven't watched the game. Maybe they, they definitely didn't grow up in the Philadelphia market because they don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, they're alienating uh, hard. I, I say hardcore fans. I don't really like to use that word, hardcore fans, but you know, the fans that have been around, it's right? Lifelong fan. There you go. I think that's how I'm feeling. And not that I need, I don't need to feel like someone's catering to me, but I, I like, I know when I'm being ignored or kind of pushed out the door and that's kind of how I'm feeling as a fan. I feel like I'm, I'm not important. And this is the kind of people that you want as a fan. And you know, say you could say whatever you want about me, but one thing that I'm not is I'm not, uh, disingenuous. I'm not superficial. And so when I see an organization catering to uh, a specific group who, in my mind, is those things, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Uh, so I feel like I'm being pushed. I feel like I'm being pushed away. Um, but anyways. That's lifelong fans. We're just whiny. Yeah. You know, it shows. The product on the ice shows. You yeah. Know? And I can't put it all on Fletcher because he did try. But like, there's it's just serious things need to be done to this team, and the certain things that could keep us from completely blowing our tops. A simple happy birthday to the creator of the team, you know, Out of touch. treating your alumni better, you know, just anything like that. Just and they just they just don't do it. They don't care, you know. They're just gonna put on a little show for whoever shows up. They're going to force Santa sacks down your throat and they're going to want you to re up on your season tickets, even though the team's joke. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's just like, they just don't get it. They're out of touch. So I agree with you, whoever it is or whoever they are, are completely out of touch. Yeah. And the, it's why I, I pushed the, the panic button because they need to change everything top to bottom. And it's not just the players on the ice and real, it's not a realistic thing, but I don't see, a way out because there's so much wrong. And as you can see, the more we stick with it, the worse it gets. And it's now, like you said, it's we we've all the big stuff has already passed. You know, we're all we are is one like big Chicago esque scandal away from being the war. <laughs> oh my ever. God. Not you know? Cause everything else has happened. The petty stuff is now coming out. Yep. All the other, we were the worst team in <laughs> one of the worst teams in hockey. You know, it's just, it, everybody sucks. And it's just, what, what could happen next? What, what, what could possibly That's happen? That's what I next? said last night. And I was getting a bunch of crap for it. Oh my God. It's a joke. And it's like, I can't stand the direction of the team. If there even is one, we've been saying, what's their identity for the last four to five years. Yep. Like it's, I, I don't know. It's, we're just, we're standing, we're trying to move in quicksand here, but we're going to stick with this, with all the same people and players. And I just, it just doesn't work for me. And ultimately the problem is at the top, Comcast Corporation, they're not going to let anything change. The, the status quo for them. Nope. So, what are you going to do? Um, so, I do want to talk about that a little bit more. But first, let me just get these two topics out of the way uh, real quick. So, a little bit of good news. According to Ann Sanfilippo, Wade Allison will be returning to the Phantoms. I believe the first game was set for Saturday. I, I think maybe I had a clip here. Yep. There it is. I don't think you could see it, uh, but yeah, Wade Allison is set to return Saturday to Lehigh Valley. The plan is for Allison to get a few games in the AHL 
And then assuming he's healthy, join the Flyers. Once again, per Anthony Sanfilippo. Let me get this off the screen. So a little bit of good news there. A uh, guy we haven't seen play all season long for the Flyers. They could use a guy uh, with his intangibles. I mean, not only his hockey sense, but um, his personality, uh, the way he plays the game. They, they need a way to Allison. So looking forward to him returning. Uh, the other topic I wanted to touch on here uh, is should Cam York, Jack. So should he stay with the, with the Flyers? And here's my thing. This was asked during – uh, the press conference with, with Mike Yo today had my hand raised, was going to ask the question. Uh, Charlie O'Connor beat me to it. He asked, uh, basically, if Cam York continues to play well, will he stay in the lineup when you know people are back from COVID and whatnot? And Yo's response uh, in a nutshell was, you know, Cam York, we're telling him to stay in the moment, right? Not think too far ahead, right? Because they want him to just you know, focus on the next game kind of thing. Uh, they don't want him to get too far ahead of himself this way. And this is how I took it this way. When he's ultimately sent back down, you know, he's not too hard on himself, but Mike, you mentioned consistency is the key. And I would say that if he can consistently play like he did, uh, what was it? Saturday night against the sharks. It's going to be really tough to send cam York back down. Jack, I want to know your thoughts. No, I agree. And uh, based on my comments before he played that game, you, you probably are surprised. But ultimately, I think his ice time showed how they feel about him. You know, like he, he's one of the more – I mean, sure, he's prone for mistakes. He's, he's a young kid. But what do they really have right now? He's obviously better than most of their options until he has a massive relapse, which probably won't happen, maybe little ones. If He's playing these b big minutes, you know, and he's looking pretty – different he's looking different he tries things like he gets in on offense like that's that's confidence that's poise like go for it man like just if he's out there for those minutes over guys like conaughton and uh braun and yandel and whatnot first off you can't do much worse than yandel at this point so i mean how can you take york out and leave yandel in without shouting that this is us trying to get him to a certain game so we can make money um you know i, I leave him in I, I don't see unless he really has like a couple of bad games, like real bad, like blunders. I don't know how you can justify taking him out with how bad everything else has been. I would say the same. I mean, who, who are you going to ice over Cam York, Nick Sealer? Kevin, right. And then somebody Cal else probably Martin. COVID or, or gets a headache and then have to go to COVID protocol or something. You yeah. know, so like you're going to need these guys anyway. So, I mean, he's playing well, he's getting the NHL experience that we want him to get. We know there's going to be, you know, changes to this roster better be changes to this roster going to next year. And you got to figure that York is going to probably get some NHL. He probably, I don't know if he comes out of camp starting, but he very well could. So see as much as you can of him now, get, get him the experience, get him the games, get him going. He is small though. My God, he is really small. I, I hope he figures it out. <laughs> like he scares me how little he is sometimes. I always kind of laugh when they put, you know, the player's height on these things. Uh, so immediately, if I see a guy's 5'8", my mind automatically goes to, he's really 5'6". Or if I see a guy that's 5'5", I'm like, yeah, he ain't 5'5". So, I, like, they definitely lie on these things. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He's 195 pounds. Okay, so he's yeah. 170. I got it. <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, they they for sure, they they do that. Uh, hell, they did it to me when I was in college. I said I was 5'10", uh uh, 170. They put me down to six foot one, 185. I'm like, all right, whatever. So it's it's that's all BS. As crazy as that sounds, but 
I would love to see him up. I would love to see him stay up. Uh, we, we talked last week. I said this kid's got to knock down the door to stay up. He's got to earn it. Obviously, he wasn't knocking down the door in the Phantoms. Um, looked, I thought he looked great. And whether that's me comparing him to, to the other guys that they had him playing with Saturday night, and then, remember, there's no Provorov, no Sanheim. Um, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, the confidence was there. What I took out of it the most was this is a guy that belongs in the NHL. And I see uh, no reason why Nick Sealer or Kevin Connaughton should be playing over Cam York. So the other thing with that is, I guess on the flip side, I don't want him playing with Keith Yandel, right? Because I don't want, I don't want Cam York to have to adjust his game to a lesser player. So here's where I think the little conundrum is for me. If Cam York stays on the Flyers roster, I want him playing with Justin Braun. If he can't play with Justin Braun, I think maybe then, maybe you do send him down. Or maybe you pair him up. I don't know. Maybe you do pair him up with the wrist of Linen or, or, or Sandheim or something. Sandheim's playing with Provorov on the top pairing tomorrow, playing on the right side. Maybe you figure out a situation like that. But... Uh, I don't. There's no chance in hell that I pair Cam York up with a, with a Yandel, a Connaughton, or a Sealer. I don't think that will help him any. You know what I mean? I think it could potentially do the opposite. Um, so uh, it, unless I can pair him with somebody that I trust and somebody that could potentially help him develop in a positive way, I'm sending him to the Phantoms. As much as I would want to keep him on the Flyers, it's got to be the right. Um, it's got to be the right move. You can't just toss him up there and say, hey, good luck. You're with Nick Steeler tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I wouldn't surprise me if they did it like once, but it's not something to run with. And um, it's not the end of the world either if he goes down. What are we really going for this season, please? Right. Like, if they're going to continue to get blown out too, like in yeah. lose games, then you know what? What's the big deal? And him and Yandel on a pairing just is so that would just be ridiculous. Even if Yandel was better, that's not exactly a, a something I would you know is ideal. But sure. you know, put him, put him a change things up, experiment. Like we know this season is probably a lost season. It's close to a lost season can be at this point. Have fun with it. <laughs> Screw it. Yeah. You know, put Sandheim and Rista Linen back together and throw them up on the top of Provorov for a game or two. See what's up. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what do, what do you really got to lose? he shows me he cares and wants to play, you know, maybe he can Provorov takes a little bit step back, lets him go or vice versa, or he learns something or whatever. Just, just you don't set him up for failure. You put him on Provorov, you're not setting him up for failure. You know, maybe you limit his minutes a little bit, or maybe you don't like, you let him roll. They let him roll the other night. He seemed okay. So I don't see why you would hold him back. And if you're going to just send him down, which is what you're saying, I'm saying just unleash him. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll see what you got. This is not, you're not doing anything this year. You know, just see what you have experiment, you know, play, play around with whatever, you know, and then just go from there. And you're probably, there's probably going to be more injuries and COVID things anyway, that you're going to need guys in and out of the lineup. So you might as well just keep them up. And if he's one of the guys playing well, well then good. You, you got one good bright spot in this horrible year. So speaking of COVID and Ivan Provorov, the man sounded off today. Have you heard this yet? I read it. Yes, I did. So Ivan Provorov, uh, quick quote here. And this is exactly what he said. Uh, I, I believe the question was asked by either Ariel Melendez or, or Jordan Hall. Uh, maybe they both kind of asked. Uh, so his response to the question was, 
you know, you're willing to play through any injury, any illness, any illness. And then here you may get a regular flu or not even, uh, meaning you know, no symptoms. You felt fine. And someone tells you, you can't come back to play when you feel fine. He followed that up a little later with eventually, uh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't see this here. Everyone, eventually you're going to have to get over it. You can't live in fear all the time. And I think I was just as surprised as anyone when I heard him say that live. Um, you know, uh, so here's the thing too, because I know a lot of people, I don't want to get into the whole COVID situation. They're the whole COVID topic. I know we're all kind of sick of talking about it. There's people on one side who, who will read that and go, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow the scientists. I'm not going to listen to an ice hockey player. And there's people on the other side who, who go, I agree with this man. We have to move forward with life. It's here. It's here to stay. You know, um, your thoughts on what Ivan Provorov had to say. Well, frustration is definitely mounting. First heart, now Provorov. Um, it, it's got to be tough. I mean, you're not even sick. You're doing all this for your team. You're on the road constantly. You're going to have, you're going to be run down. Like nothing says they had COVID or anything, just have symptoms. Well, everything is a symptom. I get, and then they're on top of that, they're having a, a rough season where you have a bad game. And the first thing you want to do is get back out there and rectify it. You got postponed games. Now you have to sit and you're not even sick. It's, it's frustrating. And uh, it's hard to, to, this started in early 2020. It's now early 2022. And we're still, I, I don't want to take a side here, but the whole fear thing, it's real. Like we're still doing this, you know, like no life has been at a standstill now for two years. And it's, it's got to be tough. The Flyers during this time have been dumpster fire. So, I mean, that doesn't help. You know, so I, I understand his frustrations for sure. And I don't want to, you know, take a side or anything, but it's how could you not be frustrated with this at this point? Their protocol is silly. You, you, any little thing and you're out. You know, it's it's it, you have a slight cough. People get that like 10 times a year. That doesn't mean I have anything. I just, it's just silly. So I. I agree. And here's what um, I kind of tried to think of it from Provorov's perspective, because it's easy for, you know, people listening to what he had to say. And it's easy to get, you know, fired up in in either direction. But I tried to, you know, uh, go through what he went through. And the guy played in what was it, 403 straight games and, you know, finished a playoff series against Pittsburgh with a dislocated shoulder or something like that. Right. Yeah. The guy played through that. For for the, the guy loves the game, okay, and uh, you know I don't know if people really understand. Um, I I think for those who have maybe imagine you, I don't know. I'm trying to help people understand who haven't played a sport. You know, you play a sport your whole life. The day comes where you, you can't do it anymore. It's like you just went through a breakup, right? And so now, you know, the guy will give anything he's got, play with one shoulder in a series that they were absolutely going to lose no matter what. Right. And now I don't know what his symptoms were. sounds like they weren't that bad. Uh, you know, your team, it's not very good this year. As you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff going on. People are telling you that you can't play in a game and you feel like you're a hundred percent. It's, it's frustration. I think is what I'm trying to say. The guy's frustrated came out in the interview Um you know, should he have said what he said? I think, you know, that is a discussion. You know, people can agree or disagree. This is America. 
That's what it's all about. It's all about having an opinion. You don't have to like it. Okay. And for me, I was glad. I was happy. It was refreshing to hear somebody speak their mind and give their honest opinions um, about something that we're unfortunately still going through. When's it going to stop? These guys have to start speaking up. And this yeah. is not to say that they don't know the, 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 that they're going around, you know, coughing in people's mouths and things like that. These guys are taking the precautions. But, it, but it, it, it's, at some point, when, when do things change a little bit? And, you know, I kind of felt for him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you made a great point. Like a, a, uh, an athlete who makes it this far is they don't do it by accident. They don't stumble into it. They work their butts off day in and day out for their entire lives. And you look at a guy like Provorov in his scenario who plays that many games in a row, that doesn't happen by accident. That Sure, there's luck involved because we've seen him take some pretty big hits or block shots that you're like, he's probably not coming back, and he does. And he has to treat his body right. So he's not like going to McDonald's and going on these Burger King, you know, being, you know, just eating everything in sight. I think ice cream might be his one flaw, but he treats himself right. He eats right. He's, he, he's a workout machine that he deserves to play every game because he keeps himself healthy. And then you have somebody coming along and saying, Oh, you got a slight headache. You're out. And I don't know what the symptom is. I'm just saying because it wasn't serious. That's that's Proverov's word. He's like, I feel fine. Well, you got to sit out. I worked my entire life to get here. Our team sucks. I want to get out there and help them so we can end this. And you're telling me I have to sit. Why? And it, it just it just goes back to it's just silly protocol. And you, these guys are getting punished. Yeah. And it's a good point here. From This is Ant from Philly's Flyer. Uh, some Sort of like the Clark interview. You don't want to hear it, but you do from those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a lesser guy, maybe um, – Give me a fourth line guy, Jack. I don't know why I can't think McEwen? of a guy now. Uh, who? McEwen. Yeah, there you go. If me, if McEwen's coming out and saying stuff, you know, it's it's kind of like, well, I can brush this guy off. He's a fringe NHLer. Uh, it's not that important. Blah blah blah. If you know some of the best players on your team, Carter Hart, Ivan Provorov, are coming out and saying this stuff, and people aren't going to like this potentially either. To me, those are leaders. Those are guys who who have had enough. And they're speaking up. Those are the people who other guys end up following, right? Um, I, I like that he came out and said something. And this is not to say that I'm anti-science. I mean, I mean, people can come to your own conclusions. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to change how you think about me or, or you know what I'm saying, right? This is America. I'm not the thought police. You can think whatever you want. But I was happy he came out and said what he said. It made me feel good that, other people actually think this way. Enough is enough. Let's move. The only way to move forward is to, to go through things and move past it. You can't stay stuck in this stuff. And so I, I, if, if Hart and Provorov are coming out and saying it, more players feel like this. It's being talked about in the locker room. These guys are talking about this. It's BS. And they're, they're ha it's starting to boil over a little bit. So oh, I'm, other, I'm, We've heard it from other teams, too. Other players and other teams have gone off. Um uh, what's it was a Kalorn from Tampa. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was him or if that was in reference to something else, but we've, we've been hearing it all year, just little by little trickling out. Cause it's a silly protocol system and nobody knows for sure what actually is working and what's not. They're just, if you're sick, you're out and that's, it doesn't matter what, but people are still getting COVID. So obviously whatever they're doing, isn't working. They're just keeping them, keeping them away from each other, prolonging the season. 
If it wasn't for the all-star break to make up some of these, I'm not the all-star break, the Olympic break to make up some of these games, I don't know what they'd be doing. And that's the thing. These guys are supposedly, they're doing all the right things. I mean, if, I mean, these guys, they're investments, basically. You're paying these guys five, six, seven million dollars a year. You're doing anything to protect your investment. You're masking them up. I mean, these guys, they're safe and they're still getting sick. You know what I mean? So I guess we're at the point where, hey, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. If you haven't had COVID, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, you're going to get it. Okay. Um, and you, you just have to live with that reality, you know, um, it's, that's all I really have to say about that. I mean, it's time, it's just time to move on. Uh, so I, I good for Ivan Provorov speaking his mind, you know, if, if anyone wants to compare this to, you know, oh, you didn't like when Jake Voracek spoke his mind, Voracek was being an asshole. Provorov is in my opinion, speaking from the heart. So that's my, that's what I got to say about that. Um, our last topic of the show, Jack, one that I think you're really going to like. Why does a Flyers rebuild? And just before we get on the, you know, the, the nitty gritty shout out uh, of the topic. Uh, when I say rebuild, what does I just want to make sure we're on the same page before we get into this. What does a rebuild? Um, what does rebuild look like to you? What does that word when you hear the word rebuild? What does that mean? It's some kind of getting rid of what you have and uh, breaking it all down to where you're, you can really only go up at that point. Um, there's a couple of different ways you could go about it with the Flyers. You don't have to go full rebuild is the burn it to the ground so you have almost nothing left over. Um, and then just acquire picks and build through prospects and eventually signing signing players and whatnot. Um but to me, it's letting go of the core the best you can. And uh, it might not be ideal for the Flyers. That doesn't mean it's what they should do. This is are they able to? Um, and and build, rebuilding a new core is really what it is for me. I don't. You can keep some players. You can move on or whatever. But I think you 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 know when Hextall took over this team and was kind of did like a soft rebuild that didn't pan out at all. Drew was what twenty five years old. You know, you had a superstar franchise center at the time uh, who was still young and just approaching his prime in his prime. Uh, now he's 34, and I don't see another Drew-esque style player on this team. You could say hard, I guess, but that's goaltending. Um, we need so much more. I mean, what else do we really have um, that I, I just – and it's the same core that keeps coming back and keeps losing games. And it doesn't matter who the coach is. And we've added all these players and changed all this and all that. And it's the same exact embarrassing result. So I don't know what other option there is. I don't think one defenseman as good as he is could come back and just change everything. I think this is a mentality thing with this team. I think they're perennial losers. I think that they don't know how to win consistently. And unfortunately I just, I don't think they're good enough when it comes to talent. You look at the guys that on the good teams, how good they actually are, how you know superstars they are, Makar, Oveshkin, guys of that nature, like the things that they can do. Nobody on this team can do anything like that. You know, at best, or probably a bubble playoff team that probably gets in, and we would probably need to be fully healthy, have a lot of things go our way, and maybe in a magical year we'd sniff the second round and make some noise there but that's a that's like where the the height is for me uh because these this team is not built with winners they're just not and the guys who were brought in who had one previously 
they're they're just like Yandel never won a cup or anything, but he was on a lot of successful teams. He's done. He's cooked. He's absolutely cooked. Ristolani came from Buffalo. I mean, as much as I liked what he's brought, it's not like he's coming from a winning environment. Ryan Ellis saw Stanley Cup. Well, he hasn't appearance. He uh, he's played what four games, mm-hmm. and we know he's injury prone. He's not going to come back and be an Iron Man by any stretch. He's probably going to get something else, and you, you can't rely on that. As good as he is when he's here, you're going to need him to be here almost every game because it's almost like as soon as he went out, we saw holes, and he, you know he can't stay in the lineup. That's a problem. I'd rather be somebody else's problem, which is where I keep coming back to the world word rebuild. Do it however you like. If you want to retool for one more season, which is what Comcast is most likely going to allow us to do, by all means. And there are a lot of people saying it doesn't always work. Well, no, it doesn't. But I don't know other any other way how to do it. You know, I've everybody wants to throw out Edmonton. Well, okay. They drafted at the top of the draft a lot. I get it. Um, they also didn't draft correctly, if you ask me. They would always acquire the uh, top-line player, and they would need a defenseman. They need defense. They need defense. Oh, they got the first overall pick of the draft again, and they just take whoever's there. They don't – they didn't have – like, they never added a defenseman until, what, Darnell Nurse? Like, they just – they continued to just add to whoever the top guy on the board was. And then when they finally got McDavid, they trade Taylor Hall. Like, it can't – you just can't. They're a bad example, if you ask me. I mean, it's why most people, when McDavid got picked to go there or they won the lottery, most fans were pissed off. Like, it was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. That's a bad example. A good example, a better example, would probably be Washington, Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A. Like those teams tanked, especially Pittsburgh. They all tanked for years, and they all got top t- talent. And, yeah, they had to do a little bit more tinkering. Look at look at Washington. Yeah, they got their top talent. Especially you want to stand a couple, what, 34 years old? Like, yeah, they ha- it takes some tweaking. It's not easy to do. You have to add the other pieces, but you still need the top-tier talent, and you have to- I don't see any other way you can get it. You're not getting it at – we're not drafting another Giroux at 21 or 22, whenever it was. Like, the, the odds of that are so small. You-, you have to just start over, get what you can, bring in prospects, bring in picks. Try- you have to try to stay somewhat competitive, so this is still a destination. But let's be real. Is it, is it a destination? Or has that already been ruined? Because this team's not making it a destination. If you're Kevin Hayes' friend, that's really the only way you got here, or by trade, where you had no choice. So I, I don't see how staying competitive now to keep it a des- destination when it's not, and how you get out of this hole. Unless you bring back, you trade Drew and Proveroff, and you bring back a Mark Recchi size haul, where you're getting LeClaire, Desjardins, plus to this team. I don't see how you do it without breaking it down. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, you know how I feel about, you know, a rebuild. Um, but what I'm going to try to do in this episode is I'm going to try to find reasons for a rebuild. Um, if, if, if the flyers do quote unquote, blow it up, they can't just, they can't just blow up the roster. Uh, it has to be an entire organizational, um, restructure, rebuild, you know, lots of firings, lots of hirings kind of thing. Um, Ian LaPerriere, great guy. Phantoms uh, have been improving. I don't know if I want him with the fan. Like, re, like I- I'm talking completely clean house, right? Like, um, I don't know if I, if I trust Chuck Fletcher to be the, to guy, the guy to be in charge of rebuilding the team, the roster, um, you know, bring in the right scouts. You look at the Flyers – uh, drafting hasn't been great. Um, and this is even before 
Fletcher. I mean, uh, you look at the drafting now, it's just kind of okay. You know, we got Bobby Brink, obviously Cam York. Uh, Emil Andre was captain of, uh, I think it was Team Sweden, I want to say. Um, Tyson Forrester, who, who unfortunately is out for the entire year. Zade Wisdom's a, a fun prospect who I think just got back from injury. But again, none of those names, uh, I mean, none of those names get you like, oh my God, future superstar. Right, like we just talked up Cam York a little bit. He's going to be a good player, especially if he if he can if he can be consistent and you know do what he did the other night against San Jose. He's going to be a good player. Um, so you know, while you were talking, I was kind of jotting down some names here, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how long. So, uh, what I think what discourages me from wanting to go full rebuild is how long I think it could take, and um. Just to be pro pro rebuild here. So obviously JVR and Travis Sanheim, their contracts would be up next season. So you have two ch- uh, really two chances to move on from them, right? Um, or maybe even this trade deadline for a guy like Travis Sanheim, because I mean, who wouldn't want him for an extra uh, season as well? Um, so you have this trade deadline, you have the off season, and you have next year's trade deadline. So I mean, you could essentially. Start your rebuild this trade deadline, and I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what the. So it's tough because I agree with you with, and it'll never happen. What I want, and that's like Comcast sells the team to some kind of super billionaire who just wants to win. <laughs> That'll never happen. Um, but everybody underneath them, I, I just want a full like cleansing. Again, won't happen. We also have contracts that are probably going to be really tough to move to prevent a full rebuild. Uh, Couturier, depending on how you view him, some players, some teams might really like him still. That's a lot of term and money to take on. I just, I just can't see it. I can see a team you know, like would love Sean Couturier. Can't commit to those those dollars and years with what we are seeing. You know, Kevin Hayes. I don't even know if he has a trade market at this point. Uh, based on he, I mean, he doesn't look like himself right now. Maybe if he comes around. Uh, so there's guys of that nature that I just can't see being moved, which might pre- pre- uh, at that and Comcast prevent any kind of full rebuild. But what I think they do this year is you kind of dip your toe in the water with it a little bit. You 100% have to get something solid back for Drew. Now you got to get something regardless, but you really got to try to hit a home run there because then you're, you're not looking so much at rebuild. Maybe you're looking at retool. Maybe you have some, some more ammunition in the offseason based on what you got to either add some kind of NHL-ready prospect into the lineup or trade, make another trade, trade a, whatever you get for Drew. Say it's a, a first-round pick and a prospect and connect me and trade for somebody. I don't know. It's That's the only way I can see a retool working, something of that nature. I don't think that they're going to go crazy. A lot of the names that I think will get moved like a Sandheim or Konechny, I think those are off-season moves. Uh, I, th- I think Konechny is definitely going to be one that was probably his last year with the Flyers if things keep up. I could be wrong, but it's just I don't see it. Um, obviously, Drew and Provorov has been brought up. If they're talking about Provorov, that means they're seriously considering some kind of rebuild. I believe in Clark's interview, he mentioned that he wants them to do that. Now, a lot of people say, are you prepared for, to wait until 2027, which is like or the earliest at which a rebuild could turn into something? And my, my answer to that is, man, it's – and this is why I know you're afraid of, Jim, and I'm not. you're not wrong – I'm prepared, yes, because I don't know what the future holds. It could be a swing and miss again. What I do know is what we have now does not work, and I don't see a way out unless they 
unless Fletcher really goes crazy at the deadline and then flips whatever he gets for better players to come in here. But ultimately, you still got your core, and there's still an issue. So, and, I, and then I don't know who the coach is at that point, and I don't know what we're looking at. There's a lot of uncertainty, but what I do know is they suck and they can't get it done. No matter what they do to this team, we're still getting blown out in important games. Our rivals are laughing at us. We're at the bottom of the division again. We're going on 10-game losing streaks. That has not changed. So, I, I mean, no matter what they do, that doesn't change. So, I don't know how – this is years of pent-up frustration. Now, I'm just like, well, just blow it up. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, how much more of the same do we have to see before they realize what we have here does not work? Drew's not getting any younger. Let's cash in. <laughs> just, or cash out, rather. Let's just cash out, see what we got, and move forward. Now, I, because I know they're not going to do that, then fine. Trade Drew and whatever else, the deadline, retool for next season – and I just hope they don't bury themselves in any more deep contracts that they're, they can't, you know, they, when they do do a rebuild, they're stuck in purgatory for four years. Then they actually start the rebuild kind of like at the end of Holgram's era, where you had contracts like Cavaliers, like Prongers and those they had to get rid of before you can even do anything, you know? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm worried about. You know, it could, you'd make the decision now it might be easier to move some of these players. than if you wait and then, We'll see. I mean, I got one year still for sure, for, in my opinion, after this year to, to run it back and do something with a new coach. And a lot of times just having a new voice shows change. But um, ultimately, it's still the same guys, and I, they, just, they just can't win consistently. Yeah. Well, it, it may take that. Um, like I said, uh, I'm – complete opposite spectrum of a rebuild and you know i'll I'll give my side on our next episode but i I wanted to hear the 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 benefits of a rebuild and you know because i what i've learned is a lot of people have different ideas of what a rebuild is and i just wanted to make sure um we're on the same page you know with what a rebuild is and yeah uh i don't know i just i don't i don't want to go through it um is it something that is inevitable could be um i don't see it that way yet like i said i'll I'll give my reasons why for the next show so if you're listening to this one you're going to have to listen to the next one if you thought you were going to hear them on this episode sorry a little bit of a cliffhanger and uh yeah i just uh i mean that could be what it is what if what if they had to redo the office staff would that be enough i mean I hope they do that anyway, at least to some degree. Um, also, like you said, if they do do a rebuild, do I trust this front office to do it? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. There's nothing that tells me. I mean, Fletcher's willing to to uh, wheel and deal, which is nice. But um, that would be the first thing that they would change, you know, in my opinion. But it's hard to say because the scouting department's putting it all on Hextall. So it's like, and I believe it to an extent, you know, so it's like, what what's, what's real, what's not, you know, I, do we like where they drafted so far under Fletcher? You got York, um, yeah, you know, Forrester guys are there. They look good, but you know, they haven't really drafted at the top either like they did under uh, Hextall. So it's really hard to say. Um, I just would like to see the organization be better and do things better and get back to, you know, flyers hockey that we're used to the things that they can control, control them. Like, mm-hmm. come on, it's easy stuff, you know, and it's, I don't know. There's, there's so much going on. 
and I can't see them rebuilding anyway. It might be a foregone conclusion. And it just comes down to, I don't think you want to do it because you don't want to wait. You don't want to go through all that. You, we've already waited. We're going to wait yeah. again. You're going to ask me to wait more years of my life. We'll be approaching 40 by the time that True. they're ready to go. You know, I mean, with the way like, things going, we might not even be here for, uh, for whenever it's done. I know. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know, but like my worry is we're going to keep ramming our heads against the wall with this current squad that I truly believe can't get it done. And uh, we're going to push that rebuild further can down the line further. And, you know, now we're 45 when we ultimately don't get it done. We're in our purgatory. Then they finally commit to it. Now we're 45 by the time the team's ready to come rolling around again. And that, that's what scares me. Cause there's, I just don't see it with this team. I, with these players, what you can add outside of Ovechkin in his prime, or I just <laughs> like who's coming in here to save this team to turn around their, I can't tell you how many issues they have. The fundamental things are, is a big to do with them. And it's, I know certain things can help like outlet passes and whatnot. Ellis was a big impact, but I don't even know if they're a playoff team with him, with them fully healthy. Like I really don't. I mean, we haven't even gotten to see, I, I can't, what do they have a full roster for like one game this year? Two games, uh, maybe? Like I don't even know because Hayes was out the whole start of the season. So, like, it's, it's hard crazy, to say. Man. But, like, guys, they got they get injured. They always get off for every team. They all get injured. And it's like we have an injury and the, the wheels just fall off. Like, where is the, your star player stepping up and holding down the fort while guys get healthy? We, that I think that's exist. what it is. Yeah, that doesn't exist here. You know, oh. like other teams, they can do that. We can't even tread water. Like, remember November? Oh, it's going to be a tough month. I hope they're up to the task. We'll hope <laughs> for 500. They lost 10 games in a row. They did not – nothing, just nothing. They gave us nothing. It's a joke. And they got blown out in a lot of games. Uh, how about Tampa? They got blown out. It was a 7-1. Tampa was playing their fifth game in seven nights. Like, give me a break. This team's a joke. Yeah. Well, I think we uh, – I mean, good arguments for, for a rebuild. I want to know – you know, the listeners, when you, when you hear this or the viewers, give us a comment. Let us know. What, we want to know what you think. Are you pro-rebuild? Are you anti-rebuild? What do you want to see the Flyers do in terms of moves? Um, you know, is it coaching? Is it general manager? Do you trust Chuck Fletcher if they do go rebuild to be the guy that, you know, rebuilds the, the organization and things like that? Um, or do you want to see somebody different? Who are your suggestions? Uh, let us know um, on Twitter. Facebook, wherever, Instagram. I uh, do want to give a quick shout-out to my buddy Amadeo Gracia. Hung out with him Saturday night at the at the Flyers game. Uh, he's the man. A lot taller than I thought. He's well over six foot. I'll tell you that. I don't know uh, who anybody looks like. They all look like bagheads. <laughs> Everyone's got the bags. Uh, yeah, so shout-out to Amadeo. And obviously, Anthony Affiliates Flyer for hanging out with us. Um, we'll be back potentially for a post-game tomorrow night uh, after the – Boston Bruins game. Hopefully, it'd be nice to talk about a Flyers win. Or if if you're on the rebuild train, maybe you're rooting for the Flyers to lose. Get that draft picked up a, a little bit higher. I know we got a lot of games left, but hey, if they lose 40 in a row, better chance for Jane Wright, baby. Let's start. <laughs> there you go. Off right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, the next time you catch us live, as I mentioned, will be tomorrow night. Uh, that's going to do it for the episode. Uh, thank you to our guest, Kevin Durso, for hanging out. Uh, looking forward to talking to him soon. Make sure you go check out his stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to do it. Make sure you drink your green stuff, take your vitamins. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow.